I have like maybe 68% confidence that Burn the Witch is actually done. Well, that's more than 50-50, but still, this is not very confident, Corey. <laughs> it was 100% before you said any words. Well, we can certainly say that's our completed thing for next time, and that part of our exploration next time is, is this actually completed? <laughs> Welcome back to Monging Your Ears. My name is Corey. Helen and April are with me. Hello. Hi, everybody. And today we are talking about uh, one of my favorite anime uh, in the manga version, Ping Pong by Kaio Matsumoto. That will be our old series. And our new series will be Mujirushi by uh, Naoki Urasawa. Um, we're calling Ping Pong the older one uh, because it is literally the older one. Um, Ping Pong was released in 1996. Uh, oh, it's that old? Wow, I yeah. didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we are just getting it now. Um, Viz Media put out the first and second volume this year, um, and that's the complete series. It was originally a five-volume series, um, and uh, it got re-released in Japan in 2014 as this two-volume series, which is what we got. And these are really big, really nice uh, books. Um, but Ping Pong itself is about uh, these two two friends who have been friends since elementary school, Smile and Pecco. Their nicknames are Smile and Pecco, obviously. Uh, maybe it's not obvious. Anime is kind of weird sometimes. Or manga is kind of <laughs> weird sometimes. Um, the real names are Tsukimoto and uh, Hoshino. Uh, and these two are ping pong geniuses, uh, geniuses of sorts. Uh, Tsukimoto's name smile because he doesn't really smile at all. Uh, he's kind of robotic. They call him robot sometimes. And uh, Hoshino is named Peko for unknown reasons, or uh, I do not rem- remember the reasons through reading it and watching the anime. Uh, I thought it might have something to do with his name, but I wasn't sure either. Yeah, I, I don't really understand why he's named that, but what... Um, uh, and the series itself is basically just about these two, uh, these two going through the, this ping pong journey. Smile has held himself back, uh, because he, he seems to be, um, not really, uh, reaching his full potential in terms of ping pong ability, and, um, Pecco is someone who believes so wholeheartedly in his ping pong ability that when he is defeated very early on in the series, it kind of like breaks his entire worldview. He becomes somewhat of a uh, delinquent. He like goes to arcades and plays games and smokes. And he, one, at one point, he jumps off of a bridge into a river. Uh, but he he writes himself. They both write write themselves somewhat with the help of various coaches. Uh, there are there are a few side characters that the anime viewers will know. The famous one is uh, China Kong Wenge, and also a dragon whose name is Kazuma. Uh, he doesn't have like the creepy cousin love that they put in the anime for some reason. Uh, they, that's just not in the manga at all. But uh, you know, normally that's something like an anime would cut, not something an anime would add. In. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You also, what you doing? <laughs> um, but the. Those two are the physical antagonists, but really they are fighting against the demons of themselves. Um, 
to become better at ping pong, but, uh, what do you two think of it? Helen, I know you were not a fan. I apologize for making you read things that you don't like. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I mean, it's going to happen eventually on this podcast. I mean, we do all have similar tastes, but they're not identical. Uh, I ran into just the same problem with the manga that I did in the anime, which is that I just cannot get into these characters' heads. Just with some stories, it's easier to read them if you sympathize with the characters. In other stories, it doesn't matter. For this one, I felt like it's really going to work if you have some of the like same internal self-loathing that Smile in particular has. Um, like the characters, at least for the parts I read, in some ways they think they're all tortured, but it's they're actually just very insular not looking out at the world around them and that was just annoying me way too much i was like i give up i have given this a shot i just nope not working for me <laughs> i think helen's got some good points like i'm sitting here um i know that i watched a couple of episodes of the anime when it first came out um and i think i like the anime better because i think the style looks better to me animated like i just cannot get into this art style um, it's pretty rough and toes the line between intentionally rough and unsure if the artist has a good grasp on anatomy or not. <laughs> um, but that was a pretty big hurdle for me. But once I got into the story, I enjoyed it. But I, I kind of agree with Helen, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it, that it's a little hard to get into these characters' heads, although I liked Smile, and that may be because I can relate at least a little bit, or could at one point to the internal self self loathing that she mentioned. So there is that, but yeah, the art style for me was like a real was like a real barrier. On this. like, ah oh, man, I've read some of his other works and just have never really been able to get into his art style. But I sort of like the beginning of Smile's journey as he uh, faces the other character and sort of comes up against like his i wouldn't say disinterest but like he just doesn't he's not really i guess in it to win it i guess so i liked that part of it and and i was telling Corey earlier that i totally didn't realize that this was only two volumes and i would have just read the entire series had i known that so i may at least go back and finish it just see how it wraps up yeah i think the second volume really uh moves along much better than the first volume the first volume has to get through well i mean <laughs> like I did not find it a chore to get through the first volume, but uh, there are some moments that is just like you have to go through the motions to um, really see how these characters come out in the end, and I think that payoff is really good when you see that uh, those final pages of the second to last chapter and then the last chapter, which is more of an epilogue chapter, um, those really bring the whole series together because X... in those pages, you really find that this series, uh, Agnes Hart, is about Smile and Pecco and their um, their rivalry, uh, because Smile has always seen Pecco as this sort of uh, hero that he is someone to aspire to, um, and Pecco like kind of uh, did the thing from Batman, I guess. Uh, he lived long enough to see himself become the villain or whatever. Uh, <laughs> So, so he wasn't really being that hero in the eyes of Smile. So, like, the entire manga is about Smile waiting for that hero to show up to him again so he can smile. Because that, that is famously why he's not called Smile. He doesn't smile. Um, but Pekko says he's seen him smile once, and that one time that he smiled is probably when they played each other in elementary school and uh, Pekko outlasted him. And, like, that uh, memory was really indelible for Smile. Um because he, that is what he is striving for, but Pecco, I guess, fell off that wagon at some point and didn't really strive for that anymore. 
Yeah, I hadn't realized that this was a mangaka um, whose other works have been published in English. Do you know if this is one of his first works or um, not? I believe, or I know Tekon Kenkrit is before this one. I don't know if he has anything before that one. Okay, yeah, those are sounding familiar now. Yeah, uh, as I look up Wikipedia, um, it is... uh, Ping Pong, uh, going back backwards chronologically, Ping Pong, uh, 100, which was a collection of short stories, um, Nihon no Kyogai, which is Brothers of Japan, which is a one-volume manga, I don't know what that is, because uh, there is an essay at the back of the second volume, and they mention 100, but they do not mention Brothers of Japan. Uh, Tekon Kenkrete, which I think was uh, his first longer series, uh, I guess there is. Whatever a boy meets a papa and a baseball is, and that was also three volumes. Tekon Kenkrete is three volumes. Blue Spring uh, was one volume. Now I'm not going chronologically, now I'm just reading randomly. But uh, Blue Spring, I think, is the only other one that was published besides Tekon Kenkrete before Ping Pong. Gotcha. Yeah, just sometimes it's interesting to look at creators and see how they change or don't change over mm. the years. Yeah, we have uh, Sunny, which uh, we have not talked about, and Cat to the Louvre, which we have also talked about, and is the sister oh, manga. Oh, right, yeah, it's this guy. Yeah, That's si- right. Sister manga of Mujirushi, which we're about to talk about. I completely forgot about this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I did do some research before we were talking. Uh, as I finished the volume right before we started recording, there's this essay in it from his editor, um, Tayo Matsumoto's editor. He stepped away from the job at some point. I don't, I don't think that was his choice, or at least it, it did not seem like it was his choice. And uh, Taiyo Matsumoto got a new editor, Mami Hirai, um, for the rest of the series. But what uh, what Taiyo really wanted to do with this series... Uh, I don't know him. What Matsumoto really wanted to do <laughs> with this series was uh, do something that is uh, fitting to mainstream trappings. Um, and he said, Tayo Matsumoto quote, was quoted as saying, nothing but a high school sports drama would do. And at this point, um, soccer was really popular in Japan. In 1992, Japan hosted and won the Asian Cup, which I believe is the same cup where South Koreans can uh, be exempt from military service. Uh, besides the, uh, I forget which one it is, but the Olympics or the World Cup also get you exempted. And I don't know why one does and the other doesn't, but South Korea makes those makes no sense in that sense. Anyway, um, the J-League also launched in 1993 and 1994. Fans of Space Brothers will know this. The Agony of Doha happened, which was uh, when Japan drew with Iraq in a qualifying Iraq in a qualifying round to miss the World Cup. Uh, and so they really wanted to do a soccer mug of Taiyo Matsumoto didn't think that he could draw 22 players distinctly on a field, and given uh, that I've now read two of his things, uh, I would maybe agree with him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, there were a couple sports or bigger name sports manga going on around this time. Baki, Slam Dunk, Major, and Initial Z were all running. So he didn't want to copy any of those either. Uh, from what I was reading earlier, it seems like he had already done a baseball manga from the essay in the book. He had already done a boxing manga, which I don't know which one of that those are. So what they ended up doing is like going to a sports tournament that was near them and going on uh, in the future from when they were talking about what next could do. And it was a ping pong tournament. And he found ping pong very fascinating because it was just people um, 
basically only using your reflexes uh, because you see this very tiny like three ounce ball or something flying toward you and you have to react and hit it somehow and then there's also they go into some of the inside baseball of ping pong in the manga but they don't really explain it but there's also the types of rubber that they use and pips in or pips out and i still don't know what that means but uh they they do a lot of uh talking about that sort of thing in ping pong as well and it's uh as with a lot of these sports manga it doesn't really feel um out of place of course and it doesn't feel overbearing either but um, I'm sure for fans of ping pong, it adds an extra dimension that these people really know what they're talking about. And for us, we are just like, oh, that sounds fancy. They know what they're talking about. Well, it makes me wonder how much research he did into ping pong, like if he wasn't previously super aware of it. Because they definitely talk about like the different types of rubber and all of that, which I thought that part of it was interesting. And then um, I was wondering what you all thought about like the actual actions themselves. Like, do, you, do you think like they served ping pong itself well like the way that they were i guess drawn or paneled do you do you all feel like the the art worked for this particular sport i guess is what i'm trying to say well i gave up kind of early on in the volume but what i did see so far in some sense the art felt like a good fit since the art feels very rough but not in a sketchy way just sort of in a understated sort of way lots of basic shapes of kind of shaky lines in some ways it seems like the art just sort of bounces around you know as a way to be a method for putting speech bubbles there which i can think of a better way to phrase that but i feel like that matches well with the idea of what a ping pong match is it's a very high speed back forth back forth back forth fight so in that mm-hmm. way the art works really well but hearing that he originally wanted to do a soccer manga I don't think that was intentional. <laughs> and of course, that also reminds me of the line. I know that um, Lin-Manuel Miranda said that he did a musical based off Hamilton because he was about to go on a vacation, and there were like two books in a bookstore, and he grabbed Ron Chernew's book on Hamilton. And he sometimes joked, imagine if I picked up the other book, and it was about some other old dude who sounded even more boring than Hamilton. <laughs> so it sounds like this is kind of the thing. Like, what if they hadn't got... What if he hadn't gone into the ping pong match there? What if he'd gone into something else like badminton? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I agree with your uh, earlier take too, Helen, about the character designs not really working, or not really seeming real at points, but I think it works well for the action of ping pong because they're moving so fast, or they have to move so fast to get to the ball, and it especially works well with the anime adaptation and the way that uh, Misaki Yuasa... um, animates things with this exaggerated movement and you can tell that like humans are not moving this way but it is part of the stylistic animation of yuasa and it really works really well with how tayo maximoto grew the action in the manga and like i really uh liked both the animation and the paneling of it uh, the animation kind of takes the panels and like puts them literally onto the screen which i found very interesting and the paneling on this is just as interesting like sometimes i found myself uh wondering what panel i should look at next but um the the ping pong scores do a lot of the work i remember i remember one of the later pages have has the score like 17 and then 18 and then 19 so like that draws you um as lines of dialogue would and i think that works uh, for what he's trying to do with the uh, irregular paneling. Yeah, he definitely has like an interesting style. I think, like you said, it just doesn't. It w- works more for the sport itself and not necessarily 
for the characters, although I at least thought the characters were like distinct from each other. It just gets like not peopley at times. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the final random note I had on this is that Michael Arias, I don't know how you pronounce the last name, I assume that's correct, but he, he does the translation and he does the translation for all of Tayo Matsumoto's work in English. I did not notice that in Kaxla Louvre, but he is also the director of Tech on Concrete, the uh, anime movie, which I found very interesting. I did not know that. Yep. But uh, anyone else have anything on Ping Pong before we move on? I'm glad I got to read some of it. I feel like, I don't know if it was just in particular circles, but it felt like it was popular when it came out, when the anime came out anyway, so I'm glad to to have gotten to read the manga version of it. And I'll probably at least finish it. I, I didn't know there was just one more, so. <laughs> I think that also, I think that partially has to do with our particular anime <laughs> manga nerd circles. Yep. And, uh. I suspect part of the reason the anime was popular was because the Uwasa's name attached to it. Yeah, I mean, with Ping Pong and Kick Hark, I think that's what really started Uwasa's rise in popularity in the U.S., so... Well, he, well, he did that Adventure Time episode. I think that oh, was yeah, that's right. Kick Hark and um, Ping Pong. Yeah. I think uh, so, but I do not have Wikipedia open right now, so I can't check. Uh, I mean, it's it's around the same timeline, so I'll... <laughs> Uh, I agree. The the Adventure Time episode really sprung him, obviously, to much greater prominence. Um, but at least in our circle, is ping pong really good. Uh, but anyway, Lex, take a short break, and we'll talk about more Naoki Urasawa on the other side. We are back to talk about our second series. This one is one volume, uh, Mujirushi, The Sign of Dreams by Naoki Urasawa. Um, this one was put out by Viz Media, um, and it is about a father and businessman named Komoda, and he he has a small factory. I think at the time, maybe it's a shoe factory, and he decides one year that they're just going to skip their taxes. Like, he's heard that most people skip their taxes, so they'll be fine. Um, and he, he has a wife and a daughter, and he tells them, you know, we're just going to skip out on the taxes. Like, what do you all want to do? And his wife says that she's always wanted to go on, like, a luxury cruise. He's like, okay, that's what we'll do. We're fine. We'll skip the taxes. And, of course, that's the year that they get audited. Um, so his wife leaves after she wins a, I don't know if it was free, but after she wins a luxury cruise. So she leaves the family and it's just uh, Komoda and his daughter Katsumi. Um, and so he's tried to do various things. They're in a bunch of debt. He's not sure what they're going to do. They're kind of just wandering around. Um, and they come across like a bird or a crow that leads them to some like research center um, that has to do with France. I feel like I'm making the plot sound like it makes absolutely no sense, but this is what happens. Um, and there they meet a man named the director who wants to um, to wants to take a painting um, from the Louvre Muse- Museum in France. So it sort of starts there where they're given this task where, you know, if you go do this, it'll help you with all of your debt and get you out of debt. And then it kind of takes off 
from there. Um, apparently, this particular series, Naoki Urasawa had been approached by the actual museum in France and requested to write a series about it. So I guess this is where this particular topic came from. Um, I'm a big Urasawa fan, but somehow I, I missed out on this one coming out. Like, I hadn't kept up with it. Um, I think it only but came I got out it pretty because, recently. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was pretty new, but normally I would, like, know it was coming in and just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, but I'm a pretty big fan of him, so I'll read anything that he puts out. I don't know how I feel about this one. Like, it, I, I feel like maybe it could have been a little bit longer. Like, I realized we had to get the story started, but, like, it went from, like, tax evasion to, like, the mom is gone. To It just went very fast, and then suddenly they were in this weird plot with the with the uh, painting. Um, I don't know. I might have to flesh out my thoughts a little bit more as you all, <laughs> as you all both talk about it. What did you all think? Well, I can't talk about it since I forgot. Now, oh, Kiyosawa right, right. means that this is available <laughs> digitally since he's rather famously not a fan of digital. And so I just did not give myself enough time to get the physical volume since my local comic book store, you see it's in downtown D.C. I don't want to go there. The last time they ordered something, it first took a trip down to North Carolina. Like, I had to check to make sure I hadn't put my mom's old address in there. So I didn't think I'd probably get it in time any so. This is mm. the no hot takes from Helen episode. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm maybe not, but... <laughs> No, uh, specifically, he was, uh, the dad was getting a train track, and it seemed like he was about to commit suicide because of all this debt and the situation that he's in, and he sees a crow with a note on it, and, um, the note just has this, uh, square, not square, uh, I know none, I know none of my shapes, the slanty rectangle. Oh, yeah. Trapezoid? Yeah. Um, anyway, one of those. It says, and it says Mujirushi on it, the, the Sign of Dreams is the title of the manga, of course. And that's what leads them to the Research Institute. And the Research Institute, for fans of Osumatsu, has Iami as the, uh, the director. Um, I think, uh, a lot of our, a lot of our circle got, uh, kind of freaked out with that Iami was in a Naoki Urasawa manga. It's kind of a weird thing to, uh, be in there. He is, the character is, uh, claims to be from France and Osamaksu as well. Um, but I, I really enjoyed this manga. I think it was uh, just like a journey that you had to go on with these characters because uh, I literally never knew what was going to happen next. Like, were they going to actually steal this thing is what uh, the director is saying about him walking around in the Louvre following the security guard after hours just to not trigger the uh, alarms true. Uh, is uh, is he really fascinated with this uh, with this painting, the dressmaker? Is the president Duncan, which is clearly a uh, uh, another uh, manga version of our stupid president, uh, like really this incompetent, like doing these sorts of corrupt acts? Uh, I mean, I guess. The actual president proves that, yes, they can do this and will do this, but uh, in a manga version, it has to be, like, I feel like it should be a little more believable. I don't know. It seems like she is literally sleeping with a defense contractor and becomes partners with him. Um, but in a, in a quite funny scene near... Uh, because, like, what started this whole... Or what started the whole deck is that she, he started to make all of these Beverly Duncan masks and... Like, oh, this is gonna be great. You're gonna make a bunch of money off these masks because this president or this presidential candidate is very uh, firebrandy. He's gonna, she's gonna say a bunch of stuff, and then people are gonna want to buy the mask for uh, 
ironic Halloween costumes or whatever. And that never happens. But now that this uh, viral Louvre picture with everyone wearing the Beverly Duncan mask came out, now they're flying off the shelves. And I guess that is what really sprung him out of decks. Uh, I, I don't know. It was, a, it was a weird series. I liked it, yeah, though. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot... There's a lot going on, so I didn't. I still don't know if I know how I feel about it. I, I feel like it has a lot of the like cinematic kind of paneling that you would expect from Earth. So I'm like, I'm always happy to see that. I feel like he always like panels well, and I feel like he has this weird thing about like detectives that are on the case, but they can never quite catch the person. He's got a thing <laughs> about that. Um, and he he's. I've always liked. I guess how he's drawn faces or people. So all of that, what you would probably expect from him is here. Um, I like the series. I just, I, I think like Corey said, I never where it was going. Like I, I don't know. It's like, I can't figure out how I feel like I liked it. I'm like, I have no idea completely what was going on. I'm like, yeah. And they were going there to get the painting and, and really that whole journey. I don't know if you could, could you say the journey is what got him out of debt? I don't know if it was or not, and it, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think it was largely accidental. Um, I mean, you have this other character that's never shown named Kyoko, I believe, that is a uh, maybe a love interest with Iami, or maybe she's just a good friend with Iami. Uh, I mean, the director. Um, and they, they just bonded over art, uh, and she sort of pulling some strings somehow but like i don't think you can predict what will happen uh when you give a bunch of people at the louvre beverly duncan mess and tell them to run outside because it's a fire grill uh i guess maybe that is uh maybe that's what orisawa is trying to portray here is that like you can't predict uh what is very unpredictable um and given the current events like who would who would predict any of that to happen or any of this to happen um it's just like the circumstances that you find yourself in um like the gag agreeing to these bag deals several times in a row or and now it's a gag uh because of one of the bag deals is making a bunch of money um you can't predict what's going to happen yeah i think yeah i think that's a pretty good way to sum it up i think the only person that was like sort of hip to how crazy this all was was the daughter i i liked the the section in the beginning where they meet the director for the first time and the director is telling them all these stories about france and all of that and you know here i am in france shaking this person's hand and she's like that but that's a picture of tokyo tower like you have to have been here in japan <laughs> and he's like do you want to hear the story or not i appreciated her character a lot because she was yeah. just like you make bad decisions all the time and now we're in this situation she always seemed like she was one step ahead of the adults but yeah, yeah. and she she's the one calling out uh the crap that he's spewing and you you know that you never can trust this guy from what he's saying and also because he's being tailed by the police as the guy with prominent front teeth who is uh enamored with france or something um but he turns out to be a different guy who has prominent front teeth <laughs> just like you i I don't know if I expected any of the turns that happened in this manga. <laughs> so were there just several series that were approached by the museum? I mean, I know that now we've read mm -hmm. two. Yeah. Were there, so how many were, were there? Uh, Jiro Taniguchi's done one as well. Uh, and there's a couple of non-mangaka who've done them. Mm. I, I did some digging around when we were doing Cats of the Lou, or maybe when I was just writing up my review for it. 
But yeah, they've been approaching people for at least a decade now to do works associated with them because I guess when you're the biggest, one of the biggest museums in the world, you've got money to throw around for projects <laughs> like that. Yeah, it's like I also read, uh, read something when we were doing the Cats of the Louvre manga where they listed a couple of them, um, a couple of the Louvre specifically the manga, because I do know, I think we were talking about it, that they dig, uh, as you said, they got other non-Japanese people could draw some comics as well, um, I don't know. I mean, one of, the, one of the other things is that the director says that he convinced, uh, I forget who it was, but he convinced someone to build the Louvre in the 80s, and, like, that was obviously not true, and I'm like, that can't be true, the Louvre has been around for longer than this, right? But also, I have not built it in, uh, the game Civilization, so maybe it, it is kind of getting new, uh, but no. Of course, it's very old. Oh, yeah, I think it's an old castle, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting here flipping through it now. Like, there was a lot in here. I mean, I feel like it. I feel like it does. It does resolve itself. So it's not one of those series where a, a ton of stuff happens and then at the end you're like, what? I mean, I feel like in one volume it does have like a complete storyline. It's just sort of a ride to get from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. I found <laughs> found the passage. Um, his uh, let's see, who is the president of France at the time? Uh, Mitterrand, um, he was walking down, um, the front court in 1981 with him when he said, build a pyramid here for me. So Mitterrand did. He built a pyramid there for the director in 1981, and it's the Louvre. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, you, you see the, at the beginning you see these, um, uh, lies interspersed, <laughs> very clear lies interspersed with uh, his clear love for Fran- French culture, France, and uh, the Louvre as an art museum. And um, because of the genuine love and enthusiasm for all of that art and French stuff, you uh, wonder how much is he embellishing? Like, obviously he's embellishing, but um, is he? did he really know the president, Mitterrand? Who knows? Yeah, I don't even... It winds up not really being the point of the story. <laughs> yeah. I think the funner part is that, like, he exists and he's telling these absurd lies. But yeah, I think that that, uh, that wraps us up pretty well um, for this last series. I don't know if we've convinced Helen to read it with our succinct description of the plot, but... <laughs> I mean, I'm always up to try what Urasawa's doing. I just <laughs> might end up waiting until I can actually visit a library again and check it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah. now that we've wrapped that up, where can we find you all online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at WandingDreamer. You can see the other website that I do reviews for and podcasts for, at the OASG. Uh, so I told Justin I had enough reviews to kind of do a year week, and I was going to do it. And then I started reading stuff, and like two of my four titles turned out to actually not be Yuri. Who would have guessed that a Revolutionary Girl Utena series would not be Yuri? Very surprising. <laughs> um, <laughs> but some other folks on the site also have been re- reading a lot of Yuri, so right now we've got an unofficial Yuri week going on, and we've even got a giveaway for uh, the latest novel by the author of Sexiled, which I haven't read yet, but I'm looking forward to, so people should go check that out. Uh, just a real quick aside, I did link in the previous Louvre piece, uh, or Louvre podcast, to this piece by Jocelyn Allen, who um, 
talked about all these Louvre manga that were published. Um, this particular piece was about Cats on the Louvre because that was the first one that was published, but they also mentioned Jiro Taniguchi, The Guardians of the Louvre, and uh, Hirohiko Araki's Rohan at the Louvre, which is a JoJo's, uh, <laughs> a JoJo's manga. Um, this should bring that one over. Yeah. No, no, they did actually bring that one over. We have it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I thought we did. Yeah. Well, if we do that Good on you, Viz. sometime. <laughs> um, but yeah, I will link to that in the show notes, and uh, you can find those show notes at uh, Taiku Podcast, T-A-I-I-K-U, and you can find me on the uh, on the internet, on Twitter, at Impassionate K, uh, and I think that's it. Uh, you, you can find me on Twitter at Bonjourin. I am still alive, <laughs> so you can find me there. Until so next yeah, time, we, then, folks. We'll, Bye. Yeah, we will see you all in hopefully in two weeks. <laughs>